A miracle is an event that appears to be inexplicable by the laws of nature and is held to be supernatural in origin or an act of God. 37 times in the New Testament, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books that tell the story of Christ's ministry on earth, Jesus performed miracles. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He calmed storms. He fed people when there wasn't enough food. People who had leprosy all over their bodies were made clean because of a miracle. People who, a few people who were dead, Jesus raised them to life again. People who had never walked, Jesus just said, get up and walk. And they walked. And each miracle that Jesus performed had a purpose. He didn't heal everybody. As he went along on his ministry, he didn't heal every sick person he came upon. I'm not sure why, but there are interactions with people and episodes where Jesus trumped the laws of physics and of nature and performed miracles, where it could not be explained by anything natural. It was just a miracle. It was supernatural. Does he still do that today? I believe that he can. Does it still happen? Why is it that some people can pray to be healed and it seems to happen? And then somebody else can pray to be healed and they die. Why is it that when our second daughter was born, emergency C-section, scared to death that she wasn't going to make it, I found myself in a hospital restroom praying and asking God, don't let our little baby die. And she didn't. Then a friend of mine, very similar situation, his baby died. Was one a miracle and one not? Why does it seem to be, or why is it? It doesn't just seem to be. It is inconsistent. Why does sometimes it happen one way and sometimes another? Why did Jesus just heal certain people but not other people? Why did he raise some people from the dead but not every person? Why did he heal some lepers but not all lepers? I don't know why. And to be a person of faith, you just have to realize there are things that you just won't understand. There are things that you just have to say, you know, there's a lot I don't know, but here's what I know. I know that God is a God that goes to people when they're hurting. The outcome may not always be what we humans would like for it to be, but I know that God goes and rescues people when they're hurting. And when you open up the New Testament, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read about the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth, you'll see that he performed miracles. And they were not always consistent, but they had this greater purpose. 
There was always a purpose connected to the miracles that Jesus performed. And he performed these miracles as he went along. He didn't set up a tent on the edge of the city and say, we're going to have a big healing service. Everybody come on down and get in line and I'm going to heal people. It's not the way he did it. He didn't reserve a room at the local banquet hall and say, come on over. Jesus is going to be doing some healings. That isn't how he did it. He just naturally did it as he went about his daily life. There was a greater purpose to the miracles than just the miracle itself. The word miracle in Greek just means power. So this power was displayed through what Jesus Christ was doing. That was one of the purposes of miracles. Another purpose was people were looking for the Messiah that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. One of the things that was prophesied about the Messiah was that he would perform miracles. And we can open up our Bible and read about these miracles that took place 2,000 years ago. And in this series, we're going to look at five of the 37 miracles that Jesus performed And I'm going to discuss how they apply to our lives because when we read them, is it just an account of something that happened or is there something deeper in each one of these five stories that we can read, just open up and read a section of Scripture and get something out of there that applies to our life today. So as I read about this first miracle, I want you to follow along, either read in your Bible or read on the screen. If you don't have a Bible with you today or if you need a Bible, there's some folks coming down the aisles right now. Just raise your hand. They'll give you one. It's, it's yours to keep. If you need an extra one, let them know and they'll give it to you. The first miracle that I'm going to talk about is found in the book of John, fourth book of the New Testament, chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. It says this. As he went along, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this, this man or his parents that he was born blind? See, in each one of the miracles that we're going to talk about, there was a human problem to be faced. Somebody was sick. Somebody was, was physically handicapped. Something was going on in their life. There, there was a human problem to be faced in every one of these miracles. This guy happened to be a poor, blind beggar. He had problems. Anybody in here ever have problems? Okay. Probably easier to say, like, two hands. <laughs> right here, man, I got them. Everybody has problems. If there's a problem-free person in here, I really do want you to come up on stage. Anybody? Okay, no, no problem-free people. We all deal with problems. One way or the other, all of us deal with problems. Here's what I found out when it comes to problems and challenges. Either I deal with them or they deal with me. That's my choice. Early on in, in my ministry, early on when, when God had called me into ministry, there, there was this one person who kept coming into my office and, and sharing problems, sharing his problems. And the week later, he would come back and share his problems again. And then he would come back and he would share again and again. And it was the same set of problems time after time after time. And he would come and sit in my office. And finally, I was like, whoa, time out, dude. You're going to, you know, I'm getting bored. You know, you, it's like, don't go to Donnie for counseling. Got that. 
No, but this guy, he kept coming to me and telling me his problems, and, and I started to think, I started to think, you're going to have to back up and look at the bigger picture here. You're going to have to take a step back and realize there's so many things in life that are just whizzing right by you because all you're focused on are these problems or this thing that you think is big, and maybe it is big in your life, but, but you're so focused on that, the rest of life is blurry, and you're missing so much because all you're focused on is this one single problem. Problems are opportunities for me to experience God's work in my life. Problems are opportunities for me to experience God's work in my life. See, our tendency is to focus on this thing that's in our life and then miss all this other stuff. So maybe you do have relational problems, financial problems, physical problems. Those are real, and I understand that, but, but just focusing on that and just fixating on that it begins to become an obstacle in life, something that, you, something that it's impossible to see past or see around, and you're just focused on that, and all this other stuff in life is going on. When this problem is an opportunity for you to experience God working in your life. So sometimes when we're dealing with problems and challenges, we need to take a step back and look at them and think, how can this become an opportunity for God to work? How, how can this problem stop blurring my vision when it comes to my life? How can this problem stop my life from just whizzing by around me and everybody going on and I'm still stuck right here? Did you ever feel stuck? Anybody ever felt just like you're stuck in a rut and you can't get out? That's when it's time to stay, take a step back and think, Where's the opportunity here for me to experience God working in my life? Now, now you might be thinking, you don't understand my problems. You're talking about little problems. I got a big problem. Mine's bigger than anybody else's. I don't think anybody has ever had a problem in the history of time like my problem. Mine's bigger, right? Nobody else can have problems like yours. Nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere does God ever say, follow me and I will give you a problem-free life. What he does say and what he says means that he will give us a life in spite of our problems. Not a problem-free life, but life to the full in spite of whatever problems are in our life. So, what problems are you facing today? Does this new year represent a new set of challenges and a new set of problems for you? It might. But it can also represent an opportunity for you to experience God like never before. And I know that I'm not trying to trivialize the issues that might be in your life or, or just gloss over the hurt that is real. But by continually focusing on this problem, this issue that's in your life, we'll make it seem bigger than what it is. And if you've been a Christ follower long at all, you will know that God will not give you anything that you can't handle, and he won't allow anything in your life that you can't handle. You may think you can't, but he won't give you anything that you can't.
And this man that was blind, he didn't even have a relationship with Christ. He's dealing with this problem of blindness, and he begins to interact with Christ. And then his life starts to change. You know, I, I look into the past, and I think about the mountains that, or I, that I thought were mountains in my life. When I thought these things were in my life that, I, I'm, God, why is this happening to me? Why have you allowed these people to do this to me? Why have you allowed this thing to come into my life? I'm the good guy. I'm trying to do what's right. You're allowing all this stuff to happen to me. So I think there's this huge mountain of, of something in my life that's just got to get out of the way, and I'm focused on it and fixated on it. But finally, finally when I get past it, ignore it, move on, get, get, put it behind me, and then I come upon what is a real mountain, and I look back and think, Oh, now I know. Now I understand. How many times have you looked in the past and said, oh, that made me stronger to be able to handle this? So when I faced the next mountain, I was able to realize and able to climb it because of the preparation that took place in the other problem that I faced earlier. So how many times are we missing something because we're so focused on the problem? When we can take that step away from it and back away from it and realize that maybe it's just preparation for whatever's next, we can start to see the purpose in our problems. If we're not careful, though, our problems will become obstacles. They won't just, come, they won't just be something that, that we can experience and go through and, and, and try to see God in and overcome. It, it'll become this obstacle to seeing things clearly, and then all of life will be influenced by this one problem. When our issues become obstacles, life gets blurry and stops making sense. And that's when people say, I just, I don't even know what this whole thing called life is all about. My problems and my challenges are opportunities for me to experience God's work in my life. This miracle that I'm talking about today in John chapter 9 has several different characters in it. And if we could be there with a video camera and then we could bring it back, put it on DVD and show it up on the screen, we would see different characters reacting to what Jesus did in, in several different ways. The disciples, Jesus' inner circle, these guys that watched what took place, when, as they watched this blind man interact with Jesus, they tried to act smart. And their first question was, well, Jesus, who sinned that caused this man to be born blind? Was it him or was it his parents? Yeah, they're trying to act smart, thinking, okay, what made this happen? That's, that's really, an, uh, for that day, that's a pretty intellectual question because their view of God and the popular view of God was if something was wrong with you, physically, emotionally, wherever you ended up in life, whatever bad thing happened must be because you did something pretty bad or your parents did something pretty bad or their parents did something pretty bad and God was punishing the wrong that took place. And they saw God as this being that was, was up there, out there, and, and when you did something wrong, you had to pay. Somebody had to pay. And God was, was angry and he was just looking to make somebody pay and that's how they saw God. That's the way I saw my seventh grade English teacher. She was just looking <laughs> to make somebody pay. I mean, from what I remember of this lady, she, she, 
I mean, she could have gave the wicked witch of the West a run for her money, right? Right down to the mole on her nose. I mean, this woman, this woman to a bunch of seventh graders was evil. I mean, she, she just was waiting for us to step out of line, waiting for us to do something. And I can remember her just looking at the glass and just smiling with her teeth that weren't clean and going like, oh, please stop, and, and, and just waiting for us to step out of line and do something wrong. She had this big, long board about that long. That's back in the day there were consequences, you know, when you did something wrong. And this big, long, wide board, and man, she was just, I thought she must need batting practice because every day somebody was getting whacked with that thing. I remember thinking, she believes it's her job to punish us, to make her lives difficult. And she seems to enjoy writing that big red F or zero, not that I ever had any of my papers. She seems to enjoy that. That's how they saw God. They saw God as somehow enjoying and, and requiring people to be punished when something went wrong. So if something was wrong with you, the first logical question was, Jesus, who sinned? Who caused this? See, like all humans, blame, we, we look to lay blame. Well, why did this happen? Who made this happen? Was it him? Was it, was it his family? They were just trying to put the finger on somebody to lay blame on somebody else. They didn't even consider that maybe this guy is blind because of his optic nerve that didn't develop while he was in the womb. Maybe his mother had some kind of a vitamin deficiency that, that did something to his eyes while they were in the womb. Maybe something happened during birth that caused him to go blind. They didn't even consider that. They thought they were smart. They wanted to know who caused this. And here's what Jesus said in verse 3 of chapter 9. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Not that God made it happen. I mean, the blindness just happened. But Jesus is saying, you're not focusing on the right thing. This man has problems, and I'm telling you that through these problems, the work of God will be seen. So what he's saying is, in the middle of his blindness, in the middle of his problems, in the middle of his plight... There is an opportunity for God to work. There is an opportunity for people to see God working. And in the middle of your problems, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your hurt, there's always an opportunity for God to work in your life. So here's what happened. So they're standing here, Jesus, his disciples, and this blind man. And Jesus does something, that, frankly, it just sounds gross. I mean, he spit. He spit on the ground, he mixed it up in the mud, and he rubbed it on the man's eyes, and here's what happened. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread, it, spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. He was healed. He was healed. And so... Here are the disciples who's thinking, well, he must have sinned to make this happen. Here's Jesus who's saying, no, he didn't sin. He did, that's not why it is, but, but I'm going to take his problem and I'm going to make the work of God known to the world because I, I'm going to heal him. So he did. 
And now here's the blind man who is now not any longer a blind man. He can now see. So if you couldn't see, what's the first thing you would do? Well, you want people to know about it, wouldn't you? You would want to tell people. So he goes to his neighbors and he's like, hey, check it out. Throw me something. You know, so he, he's testing them out. <laughs> Throw me that cup. Hey, mom, pass me the ketchup. And all of a sudden, the guy can see. And he's telling his friends about it. And he's just going around saying, that's blue and that's green. And he's just telling all these things because now all of a sudden, this problem is no longer a problem. Jesus completely healed him. And I don't know how old was he in his 20s and his 30s. And finally, this problem is gone and God had worked in his life. And his friends start to say, "Uh, you just look like that blind beggar. You're not him. And he's like, well, it's me. It's, remember, it's me. See, you know, here's my cup. Here's where I, I, you know, the money I collected today. I'm the blind guy that used to be there. So they start to interrogate him. They start to ask him questions. And, and he ends up saying in verse 11, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. They didn't greet him with, man, we are so glad you can see. We're, we're happy. Now, you know, you're not there begging for money every day. Now you can see. They were not focusing on what God did and could do. Instead, they were focused on the fact that this guy was healed on what they thought was the wrong day. If I could speak to this group of people, I would say, would you take a step back for a minute? Would you change your focus for just a minute? And, and do you realize this guy was blind from birth and now he can see? How can you miss that? How can you focus on what day it is? Who, who cares what day it is? See, their view of the Sabbath had changed so much from what God intended for it to be. God intended for the Sabbath to be a day of rest for humans to rest. For humans to reconnect with Him. For humans to focus on their relationship with Him. Work and rest. Work and rest. That's God's plan. When we don't get enough rest, we're outside of God's plan. But they took this rest thing to a very stressful level to where they began to define what work was and what work wasn't by by how much effort you, you, you put forth. So they made this restful day more stressful than it had to be because if, if your animals were stuck in the mud, you couldn't go get them out because that was work. Could you cook on it? No, that's too much work. And so they began to build these walls around this thing called the Sabbath. They called it building a hedge around the law so they would be sure and not break the Sabbath. So that was their view of this day. You can't do any work. And if you were blind and now you see, that means somebody had to work to make that happen. And whoever that guy is did the wrong thing. And we're going to take you to the church leaders who were called the Pharisees. That's the next group of people who are involved in this miracle. So they take him before the Pharisees. These were the religious people. These are the people who are supposed to be really smart. And, and they, don't, they don't meet this guy and say, man, you, you were blind, now you see? They, they hit him with a bunch of questions. They say this. You were blind from birth? And the guy says, yes. And, and this Jesus guy healed you? Yeah. How many fingers am I holding up? You know, they probably tested him. <laughs> and they began to think, this couldn't be a godly man because he did it on the Sabbath. 
And the blind man, the former blind man says, look, how many times do I have to tell you? How many times do I have to tell you this guy healed me? He put mud on my eyes, I went and washed, and now I can see. That's all I know about him is I was blind, I had an interaction with him, and now I can see. And the Pharisees are thinking, he couldn't be from God because he healed you on the wrong day. This is when religion gets in the way of God. People still do that today. They allow religion to get in the way of God. They were not concerned about this man was freed from the thing that was a problem his whole life. Yeah, they were like, whatever. We're more concerned with, it took place on the wrong day. And then they were even more concerned because being religious leaders of that day, they would have known the Jewish tradition that when the Messiah comes, there's going to be some specific miracles that only he can perform that have never been performed before. And one of those was healing a person who was blind from birth. No one had ever done that before. So they know that tradition and they see this man healed, blind from birth, but they refuse to believe that's the Messiah because he did it on the wrong day. He must be a sinner. So they look at this man who can now see, and they said, what do you think? What's your opinion? And here's what he says in verse 25. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind And now I see. There's a lot of things I don't know about this man, but I know that I was blind and now I see. So here's the other character in this story, the man who was healed. And what this man is saying is, I don't understand what all you're talking about on about the day, and and I I don't get all that. I do know that I'd never seen a sunset before, and now I can I do know that I'd never watched the wind blow in the trees. Now I can see it. I do know that I never looked into the eyes of my parents, but now I can. There's a lot of things I don't know about this man that you call Jesus. But I know that everybody treated me like damaged goods, but he took time for me. That's all I know. Once I was blind, and now I see. And if he were not from God, this man said, how could he have healed me? He looks at the religious leader and said, you're supposed to be the smart ones. They got angry and they kicked him out of town. And this, later on in the story in John chapter 9, it says that Jesus looked for him and Jesus found him. So what does that tell you Christ does When you're experiencing problems, he looks for you. What does that tell you Christ does when you think you're at the end of your rope and you can't take another step? This guy had never accepted Christ, had not entered a relationship with him, and still Jesus was looking for him. And if you read on through the story, when Jesus found him, the man who had formerly been blind was now a follower of Jesus Christ. So when my life gets blurry, when my future's unsure, and my present mistakes, my present 
makes no sense, and the mountain in my life seems immovable. When I read this miracle, I think, I need to step back and look through the problem because that's an opportunity for me to experience God's work in my life. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 45, verses 2 and 3 says this, I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you riches stored in secret places so that you may know I am the Lord. There's a lot this man did not know about God. There's a lot all these characters in this story didn't know about God. There's a lot I don't know, and there's a lot that you don't know. But I do know that somehow God works through all those problems, and God provides life for me in spite of whatever problems come into my life. In spite of whatever mountain I have to climb, life is available to me, and there's always an opportunity for God to work. I may not be able to explain it. I may not even understand it, but I can say, look, I don't know all that works. I don't know why sometimes God does this and why sometimes he does that. I don't get that whole thing, but I do know. I I could tell you my story. I, I know that there was a time when I was lost, when I didn't think life meant much. And I met Christ in the middle of what I thought was a great problem in my life. And that was an opportunity for him to take my life and move it in a whole new direction. Seeing past your problems will take you places you never thought you would go or could go. There's a lot about life and a lot about God we'll never know. But one thing you can know is he will search for you whether you're a follower of Christ yet or not, whether you've taken that step across and said, I now want to be a follower of Christ, whether you're there or whether you've been a follower of Christ for years, when life gets blurry, when problems seem too big to overcome, he will come and find you and it will be the greatest opportunity for him to work in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story in John chapter 9 that we can read and, and learn how... You meet us in our problems. And God, there's so many things we don't understand about why you act certain ways certain times. And God, we we just don't get it at times. But Father, those of us who are in a relationship with you, we know what it's like to be lost. We know what it's like to be blind. And we know what it's like to be able to see. God, if we don't know anything else, we know that you will search for us and you will find us and you will work in the middle of whatever problem we're going, that's going on in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.